Hey, everybody. This is JJ French, and you're listening to the uh, next episode, current episode of uh, the JJ French Connection on Apple, Spotify, Podcast One, and various other platforms. I want to start off by reminding you I have a book out, and it's uh, Twisted Business. So it's on Amazon if you haven't gotten it. Please get it so I can stop talking about it. It'd really be fun if you could just buy it out of its second printing. First printing is sold out. Thank you all for doing that. Um, there'll be Twisted Sister projects coming up this year. This is the 40th anniversary of Under the Blade. And so we're going to be releasing a package attentively titled Under and Before the Blade, which will have demos of the songs leading up to that album, which we're working on right now. We're hard at work at, at doing that. Uh, next year is our 50th anniversary, which is hard for me to say without taking ibuprofen, but uh, that's going to be something that will, uh, that's kind of going to factor into this conversation. Um, for those of you who want me on Cameo to give a personal uh, greeting to, you know, I can be reached on Cameo. So I think I've kind of, oh, and I want to thank Universal and Warner Music for letting me use my music. And before I introduce my next guest, I want to play a little bit of the music from his latest video. It's a song I love. I saw him do it live the other day. The song is called Backwards. Let's sit back and enjoy it. Listening to a song, uh, a clip of the song "Backwards" by my next guest, Adam. Adam and the Metalhawks. What's really interesting about this particular podcast and this particular guest is that this is a young musician with a with a, with a band of of young musicians that that are age range in age from I think eighteen to twenty six. Probably good guess on my part. Um, the band um, is called Adam and the Metalhawks. And uh, my guest today is the lead singer for Adam and the Metal Hawks, Adam Ezegelian, who is Armenian by birth. Um, and uh, let me just tell you, his voice is otherworldly. It's it's uh, really incredible. It's just it, it kind of gets you into that. Oh, I don't know. The the kind of range of vocalists from Freddie Mercury, um, uh, which I'm sure he loves to for me to throw his name into the hat with somebody <laughs> like that because because Freddie has such a wide range. But you could take the best of Brian Johnson, um, the best cutting of, of Axl Rose in a way. I mean, there's a certain 
uh, tonality to his voice that's just so rock and roll. And yet it's a contemporary. It's not a metal band. It's not what you think. It's not Slayer and it's not Cookie Monster bands. It's actually a band that's rooted more in the kind of classic rock sense, like an updated version of Bad Company, for lack of a better way I can describe this group. Uh, the songs are super catchy. They're super commercial that's not a bad thing in this particular case because you need to connect with as many people as possible but it's got all the elements that a young band should have if you believe that the classic rock sound has kind of disappeared from the atmosphere because it just isn't it's, it doesn't exist anywhere you don't see it on the charts it just it seems to exist on classic rock radio but here you have a band where the guitar players influenced by van halen so it's all got all those good parts it's got the best parts of the classic rock groups um, and it kind of melds it all into a very contemporary mix and so with that, I would like to welcome Adam to the show. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much. That was an amazing introduction. And uh, I am indeed very honored to be compared to Freddie Mercury. And all the bands you mentioned are, are big influences of mine and the rest of the guys in the band. So thank you very much. So I'm going to urge everyone, by the way, Adam and the Metal Hawks, go online and check the video out for this track backwards, which is their new uh, track. It's great. And I mean, just really flat out, just, you know, if you have to shut me off for a minute and just go online and look at the YouTube and check out why I like this band so much, why this band is so important to the conversation. But it's not just the fact that the band is important to the conversation. It's how they're approaching what a band needs to do today to become successful. This is why I have Adam here. And, I, and I'm going to preface now this by saying, I am famous for making a kind of offhanded comment about when bands come to me and ask me for advice. And I, and I offhandedly make these jokes. And I go, well, you know, I'm not going to see you until you play 500 times. And most bands will go, well, man, we've only played 50 times in two years. And I go, well, when you hit 500, I'll come and see you. And then the band will go, well, they'll never happen. And then I'll go, well, there's a good chance I'll never come and see your band. I mean, that's like the easy way for me to dismiss it. Why do I say that? Because Twisted Sister came from another time. We came from a time when the bar scene was alive and well. Drinking age was 18. Thousands of bars were out there and you could work a lot. So in the first 30 months of Twisted Sister's existence in 1973 to 1975, uh, I played 3,445 minute sets. I mean, that's an insane workload but that's what it was back then so here the point being though is that when someone comes to me when a 20 year old kid comes to me and says give me some advice about how to make it if i'm not going to be cynical about it and i'm going to be straightforward i'm going to say two things one is well practice hard and become good because that's the obvious and the other obvious is, thing is well what ruled my life in 1972 is not what's ruling your life today we live in very very different times. And so what I needed to do to make it versus what you need to do today are two separate things. And to even underline it even further and in a scary way, because this made me think about it today. In 1972, I was 20 years old. Imagine if I walked up to a 70-year-old musician, and I am now 70, and I said, hey, man, give me some advice. That 70-year-old guy in 1972 would have been born in 1902. Okay, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's think about this for a second. That person would have been born in 1902. Maybe that person would have tried to be in a band in 1922, which would be like a big band, because that's what you did in 1922. You joined a yeah. big band. And the point being is nothing in his life in 1922 would have done anything for me in 1972 in trying to figure out 
how the hell was I going to succeed in 1972? So what did I do as a musician in 1972? I looked around at all the bands that I emulated and I said, well, I'm going to copy what they're doing because that's what I got to do. These guys are all, and I'm not talking about the Beatles stones, who's that Floyd, because they're off the track. What I'm talking about is contemporary bands in our circuit, in our world, guys, my age, who are all in bands trying to make it. We all looked around and said, Oh, what are the New York dolls doing? Um, you know, like a relatively new band, you know, what is this band doing? These are new bands. You know, this is how we all kind of started. We looked around. I call it observing your playing field and doing what you had to do in 1972, which means rehearse, get into a bar gig, play cover material. That's how we did it. Well, here we are now in 2022. And those rules are completely changed and they're blown out of the woodwork. And yet this band is comprised of guys whose parents love our music and who probably grew up with it, but are confronted with a new world of how to become successful. So with that as a premise, Adam, I'm going to throw this to you and ask you, what are the uh, challenges today that a new band faces in trying to break through and have the world recognize them? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's a very good point that the times are changing very rapidly uh, and uh, obviously, the huge thing that has changed is social media, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and especially now TikTok, uh, which is very musically oriented. Uh, and you see that the radio has just been dominated by these social media artists that have just come from TikTok, pretty much. Uh, you know, they go straight from a viral video to the record label, and they just pick up these little pop stars that come from TikTok. Um, so, but not rock, rock stars, rock, though. Mostly pop stars, stars, correct? They're mostly <laughs> pop stars. That's the problem, yeah. isn't it? Or that's the issue, yeah. isn't it, in this case? Definitely. Uh, and so for a rock band, you say, all right, how, how are we going to do this? So we started about a year before COVID hit uh, as a band. So we, uh, we've only been doing this for about three years now. And uh, we're working on an album, uh, doing the bar gigs, just kind of playing together and you say, how do you, how do you blow up? So, I mean, the, uh, the crucial part of it was jumping on TikTok and now you can't just take your original music and just put it on and, and hope that it goes viral. Right. So our strategy and the strategy that I would uh, offer to other people and hope that they would kind of adopt is to try to engage as many people as you as you can, like we were saying, uh, and just kind of broaden your audience either through, we did it through kind of comedy because that fit with our personality was uh, through the memes of just jumping on trends and uh, trying to fit with the different things going on on TikTok, uh, but use our music or use our band to kind of exemplify look, we're, we're a fun group to be around, right? Let, let alone we have original music. That's, that'll come later. But just follow our page and, and like our videos. That's step one. And then once you start building this following, then suddenly, because you have Instagram, because you have YouTube and Spotify with your original music, suddenly we see people start to gravitate towards our, our original stuff that's out. And they go, oh, my God, they're actually a band. 
they actually have original music. It, it actually sounds really good. Uh, you know, and using the mu using the money from TikTok uh, and our live streams that we've done. Uh, so instead of doing your bar big grind to uh, get money for recording and music videos, we used TikTok as a way to do a little like live stream performance and collected tips from that to use to to pay for the studio and pay for uh, our music videos. How does that work? Explain how that works exactly. So how, how uh, do you monetize that exactly? So on TikTok, uh, when you have done it for a while and you build up a good amount of followers, I think you need like 10,000 followers or something, uh, you get the ability to go live on TikTok. So now you could do a live stream and people will just enter it from the platform and you are, have to try to catch their attention with maybe three to five seconds. You know, people's attention spans are getting slimmer and slimmer and they're already swiping. So you have to catch their eye really fast, uh, or in this case, catch their ear, I guess. And they can send you little tips. Uh, you know, maybe 50 cents could be $10. Uh, but we'll do like an hour long live stream and maybe get a couple hundred bucks out of it. Uh, and over the course of a couple of months of doing that and gaining more popularity, we did the uh, the little like Jack Black challenge and he actually responded. So things like that, where you kind of go for it. And if it actually lands, you're in really good shape. Uh, and so we kind of had a couple of those videos line up perfectly and you never know what's going to go viral. What's not, uh, you know, your, your video that you spent super long time and a bunch of effort and work into it could go nowhere. And the video that, you just put together because you needed content that day could just go viral, uh, you know? So I always urge people post as much as you can because you never know what that viral video is going to be. Can I just uh, interject, then, by yeah. the way, for everyone, I'm going to throw some numbers out to people so people can, because you won't do it, but I can definitely be effusive <laughs> about you. So, you know, you had, um, so the AMH band at AMH, which is at Adam, from Metal Hawk Band at AMH Band. You've got 3 million followers on TikTok. You've got um, 930,000 followers on Instagram. Um, you have 100,000 subscribers to YouTube. And you have over 100,000 likes on, on, on Facebook. And um, do you sit back and look at these numbers and go, impressive or do you go a long way to go or do you go relative to this person it's great but to this person it isn't how do you how do you quantify and 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 uh feel about your numbers and how they're growing at this point that's a good question uh i mean starting out every follower was a party you know every every ten thousand was a celebration uh and uh, to an extent, you're always excited to get more followers. Uh, you know, it just feels good. It's like that weird, like primal instinct, like opening Christmas presents or, you know, stuff like that. Like you just feel good. It's an adrenaline rush, isn't it? Right. Yeah, like, get, like, God, they the like me. Goes up. <laughs> they like me. They like yeah. me. A little validation there, uh, which artists can always use more of. Uh, but yeah, the, the, uh, the harsh reality of it is that eventually you see that 3 million and you go, why isn't it 4 million? Uh, and that little voice in your head says you could do more. That number could be higher. And 
you're you never get to really sit there and be satisfied. I, I think even if that number said a hundred million, we would still be trying to search for more and grow and just kind of you know never satisfied. But you know, uh, the, by the way, I appreciate it. It's no different. It, it, it's it's an updated version of the way we used to operate, which is if we only had a record out and well if i only saw it in the store or well if i only heard my radio my song on the radio and then of course why aren't there more records in the store and <laughs> yeah. not playing my record more on the radio you know and then wow we sold 50,000 copies why haven't we sold 100,000 copies and <laughs> so it's never it's seemingly never enough because you're trying to yeah, conquer yeah. The, you're trying to conquer the world right now so in your mind do you have do you have a number in your mind? Do you have a concept in your mind? Do you say, well, for a rock band, this is what we should be doing because we're not uh, an 18-year-old pop pop female with big tits, you know, running yeah. around half naked that generates a <laughs> shitload of, I mean, let's be honest here, right? That's kind of yeah. sells, and we all know that works. Do, do you look at other bands of your age group and style and say, compared to them, we're fine? I mean, how do you do, how do you judge it? against your contemporaries if there are contemporaries you know how do you how do you look at that yeah so there are definitely some some big bands that are uh comparable to us in age and kind of like uh just starting out uh the especially a band that we like called dirty honey uh who's from california they're a young uh rock band you know they're making original rock music so uh, and they're doing some great tours. They're jumping on with like Wolfgang Van Halen and uh, during the summer opening for some huge names. So uh, bands like that and Greta Van Fleet, uh, obviously they became huge uh, like a couple of years ago. Uh, and definitely some, like you're saying, these contemporary bands that are uh, younger people trying to make it in rock. Uh, we're always going to be co comparing ourselves uh, but it's kind of weird because we've taken this other approach uh, of kind of trying to push the social media and push the comedy aspect to just get as many viewers as possible. So on certain aspects, we have higher numbers, uh, but on certain aspects, they have more fans of their music. Uh, you know, you, you have a kind of a push and pull between, sure, we have, 3 million TikTok followers, but maybe only 50,000 of them know that we're a band. Who knows? You know, so uh, they might have 50,000 followers on TikTok, but they're only following them because they're a band. So it kind of, it's hard to compare. It's almost apples to oranges, uh, but we're constantly comparing ourselves because, uh, you know, it's, it's healthy competition. You know, we've met the guys from Dirty Honey and they're all really nice. Uh, they invited us over to their show uh, and we got to meet them and it was really great. They're, you know, we're trying to set up like a tour with them or something. Uh, and I think it's all uh, friendly competition and everybody just understands and relates to each other that like we're all in this together, kind of like just trying to make it. Oh, well, let's talk about the music for a moment. Okay. Was there a conscious decision amongst the four of you? I know the drummers knew the drummer I saw the other day mm -hmm. is just with you um, that you all share the exact same musical styles. Like how did you, how do you approach the originals? And and let's talk about you as a band because you're know, putting aside the humor. Um, mm -hmm. You're a great band 
and you're a young band. Um, uh, and no, you haven't played 500 shows. Okay. So I, yeah. so I will give you that. I will say, you know what you've hyper speeded through because you have to be yeah. prepared faster. You don't have 10 years to gestate in the clubs because that doesn't exist anymore, which means you've got to get ready. You have to be better. You got to be better faster. So when you started coming together, now you uh, gained notoriety from your, from your appearance on American Idol. And we'll yep. talk about that. But how did you meet, how did you and the band get together? And what discussions did you have in terms of the direction that your music was going to take, given the fact that you're young and you're influenced by everything? That's out yeah, there. Like, yeah. why this road that you're on now? Well, uh, when we first came together, is actually we were both kind of working on things separately, uh, and I had never written an original song before. I don't play guitar or anything. I, I had played trumpet in high school, which is not great for a singer. You can't really play trumpet and sing at the same time. You mean you can't uh, pick up girls with as a trumpet player? <laughs> Oh, man, no exactly. wonder Harry James retired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we uh, we came together because they're, they, uh, the project that I had been working on was like, we need like a live band so we could start playing these songs. And uh, we met someday in Long Beach uh, at one of the venues over there and uh, just played one song together and knew that like, this was a really good you mean, at, at a club at a club. In yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Just at a random bar gig. Okay. Uh, and so we got together and we started writing songs together. And the first song that we wrote was called wasting time. And there's a video on YouTube for it. And, uh, and it came out really awesome. And we just enjoyed working together. It, it clicked perfectly. And so we continued writing and uh, the, I would say the the kind of core value of the band has always been fun. Uh, you know, bands like Van Halen and Kiss, uh, where it's just almost like a party on stage every time you see their, them perform, uh, or even just listen to one of their songs, you, you feel like you're at a party, you know? So uh, that's kind of the energy that we wanted to have in our songs as well, and always kind of thinking of the fun aspect even if the song is about something, you know, depressing or whatever, it's always still has to have that kind of element of fun or like you want to tap your head, you want to bob your head to it. Uh, so we kind of try to put that in each one of our songs. And this new album is full of songs like that, I'd say. So it's that good time 80s vibe uh, yeah. that you're trying, that, that you love that you want to make people happy. Like it's an escape when they come to the yeah. show, unlike grunge, where you look at your shoes and you're complaining about life and everything sucks. <laughs> you want to kill yourself. You guys are going, Hey man, let's come out. Let's rock. Let's have a party. Let's stay upbeat and, and yeah. have fun. And, and that's, Definitely. and that is exactly what the music does. I can tell you everybody, I went to the show and it was great. It was fun. It was upbeat. The band was was really good. So you guys really do have the chops. I would tell you, I would caution you that being too much fun is not necessarily good either because mm -hmm. MTV showed that the goofy side of rock can be extremely successful and short-lived. And, and Twisted Sister was unfortunately a victim of that to a degree. Um, very few bands have been able to ride both sides of it 
exact balanced correctly between being entertaining and funny and yet being taken seriously. ACDC is one of those rare bands where everything seems to be tongue in cheek, but they deliver musically. Like they don't let it get too funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're big like, balls, big balls. yeah, well, just about a whole lot of rose. I mean, you know, we can go on and on and on that they're, they're never threatening and they're subversive without you realizing they're being subversive. Their lyrics are always double entendre and they seem to just know how to ride the lightning. Now on Van Halen, take Van Halen, for example, David Lee Roth is a goofball, but yeah. Eddie Van Halen's dead serious. Okay. So you yeah. have, you have a balance there between Dave's showmanship and his goofiness, uh, which can be endearing to a certain d- degree. And then, of course, the seriousness of the band always being taken seriously because their musical chops are so damn good. But then you've got, you know, bands, you know, like take the song Walk Like an Egyptian or, or, you know, or take the B-52s. That's just goofy rock. And what happens when they have hit singles with a goofy rock band, it kind of comes and it goes. It's like eating a cupcake. It's like super right, sugar, right. and it kind of disappears. So bands that tend to rely on all these certain gimmicks and, and Twisted is an example. I mean, we were a heavy duty bar band from the 70s that happened to make it in the 80s with a couple of crazy videos, which defined our lives, which almost trapped us. Right. Yeah, yeah. Trapped us. And had we not returned in 2003 to become an arena sized heavy metal band, around the world that was taken seriously because we took all the makeup off and we just said, you know, we're a freaking seventies bar band, a hard working seventies metal bar band that made it in the eighties and, and fuck all the rest of this stuff. We're now going to lay it out to you musically. We were vindicated because we came back the way we did, but had we not come back, we would have forever have been frozen in time to a certain goofiness. I mean, look at the Beatles and Sergeant Pepper. If the Beatles broke up after Sergeant Pepper. All that we would have been left with was with the stupid, goofy Sergeant Pepper clothing. Right. Like the way Elvis is permanently cemented in people's minds as this balloon, as this Macy's Day parade fucking float with a a white jumpsuit looking stupid. And not the cool Elvis that the world knew back in 1958, 59, when he defined everything that was cool. So the Beatles were lucky in that they shook off the Sgt. Pepper shit, did the White Album and Abbey Road and basically completely refined and redesigned their image back to being a rock band. And yeah. so the goofiness left behind by Sgt. Pepper, as great as it was, and by the way, I'm a Beatle fanatic and I write a Beatle column. So when I say goofy and I'm using the word Beatles, I'm allowed to fucking have my opinion about the Beatles, everybody, because <laughs> I grew up with that band. When I was 11, they came on the scene. There was 20 that left me. And I happen to think they're the greatest band on the planet Earth. But when I review them, when I study their arc, when I study their commercial mm-hmm. arc, it dawned on me, had it ended at Sgt. Pepper or Magical Mystery Tour, it would have been left as a more of a cliched, cartoonish version of the band. What I'm telling you, Adam, is you guys are so good that you should always defer to your musical chops. That's just an opinion. Yeah. I'm passing well, on to you because well, I want you to have a long career. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell you that. I think that we're kind of in that stage right now of transitioning away because uh, it, one of our earliest viral videos that kind of got us started on the platform of TikTok was with the blue bowls on our head. Uh, and we had the water bottles. 
And we are just doing classic rock songs, but kind of in this gag format. Uh, and people loved it. And, you know, they love the classic rock songs like Sweet Child of Mine and Dream On and all these classics, uh, but in kind of a funny format that you could easily digest in like 10 seconds and you're good to go. Uh, and so we kind of are at this point now with this new album and going on tour that we're moving away from that kind of silly side of things and presenting to everyone, look, all right, like we get it that you guys enjoy the comedy, but here's our original music. And hopefully everybody will take away from it. Like, oh shit, these guys are actually like serious. Like this is a sick band. Yeah, get him to uh, laugh so, and hit him. Get him to laugh and hit him over the head with a fucking sledgehammer, my friend. Yeah, yeah. And, and you got and you guys have the chops to do it. And I'm so happy that you do have the chops to do it. So I can I can impart that that to you. That it's just be, be yeah, careful. Yeah. Uh, media exposure can be wonderful and it can be killer all, all at the same time. And especially these days when you're under such pressure to have to be able to ride that wave so carefully. And I just yeah, think yeah. that you guys probably will figure it out the way you need to figure it out. Tell me about your own personal journey, the music that you were exposed to uh, growing up and, and then leading up to your American uh, Idol pr performance in which you performed Twisted Sisters, I, I Want to Rock, plug, 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 ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so uh, tell me about that. Yeah, so um, I mean, growing up uh, in, during all through my childhood, music was always around. Uh, my, my parents were big. Uh, my dad was really big Beatles, and my and my mom too. I uh, love the Beatles uh, more than the Stones. Uh, and so uh, the that was kind of my first exposure to rock. And at the same time, my mom was very big into show tunes, uh, like Broadway. So uh, I was growing up through all through that. And middle school, high school, I did the the musicals and stuff like that, the plays. Uh, and I was in like the vocal jazz group and stuff like that. So very uh, opposite end almost uh, from rock. And then well, at what age did you realize you could sing that you were encouraged to sing? Oh, by your um, I mean, I, I, my earliest memory of singing, I remember I thought that I invented singing because I went to my mom and I said, mom, like I can make like music, like the sound like, but while I'm talking, like I can make like the sound happen while I'm talking. Like, I could do it. She's like, that's singing. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> you know, so I was like, <laughs> you invented singing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think I invented singing, but uh, oh, that is, that is so great. <laughs> oh, wait. How old were you when you came up with this revelation, by the way? Like, probably like three or four. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was like, I could like hum, but I could say notes while I'm humming. I can say words. Like it was just, it was funny. But yeah, so I think the major, the thing that exposed me to rock the most, oddly enough, was uh, Guitar Hero and Rock Band. When they came out, those games, it just opened up this world of classic rock that I had never experienced. So bands like Guns N' Roses and kiss and aerosmith and just like kind of a wave of classic rock just flooded me and i was obsessed with the games just singing the songs all the time and so when it came to american idol i wasn't going to sing phantom of the opera i was going to sing you know white snake so uh i just 
embraced the like 80s hair uh, vibe and uh, and just fell in love with it. And I've just been with it ever since. Tell me what your experience was on American Idol. How did you get selected and what 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 was it like to be part of that whole circus? People want to know, like, what really goes on there? Do, is there any conversation with the judges? Do you have, do you know, do you, do you get like any, any kind of validation, any support? You know, like, how does it really work on that show? Well, the judges are not, it, not uh, around for much of it. I'll say that. I mean, okay. their, their time is probably very expensive. Uh, so any kind of dress rehearsals and stuff like that leading up to the taping of it, uh, they're not around. It's just stand-ins. They're like, and then J-Lo will say this, and then uh, Harry Connick will say this. Like, so, uh, but when they are around and the times that I've interacted with them, they've been very nice. Uh, you know, not, 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 not too crazy, nothing uh, like diva or anything like that. But uh, uh, the, the process itself was very kind of eye-opening. You see behind the curtain, uh, a lot of the reality show stuff that now, whenever I watch a reality show, I, I'm constantly seeing, uh, you know, like they'll, they'll do things like uh, that first audition day uh, is actually like th- over the course of three days. And they just tell you to wear the same clothes because they're going to put it together in post, you know, uh, like so they'll, they'll make like the 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 judges day uh, is actually like. 18 hours of just waiting around while people go in there that it seems like it's like just everything's happy and you know whatever but people are just like sleeping in the waiting room and uh you know just uh waiting around the whole day hurry up and wait that's the history of entertainment business yeah and uh that's that's what this album is called it's it's very uh a, a a term that we've really felt personally uh, throughout these whole, those past couple of years of lockdowns and not being able to play shows, but also <laughs> make sure you have content and hurry up and you can't be, you know, not prepared for when things do open up, but right now don't do anything. Did you get higher than you expected to get on American Idol as far as going oh, yeah. through, as far as the system? You got yeah, up to I mean, number 12, correct? Yeah, I I didn't really expect much of it. I I was just kind of going to have fun and just like see how far I could go, you know, uh, and just uh, kind of just be privy to these cool experiences, uh, get to go to L.A. for free. I mean, a lot of cool things uh, and a lot of of amazing people that I met, too. So I was kind of just riding it out like, you know, let's see how far I could go. Oh, I got past this round. Nice. Uh, you know, the group round was a lot of fun, but they they make it a reality show. They push you, uh, you know, the one night you'll be up till like 2 a.m. at the auditorium kind of uh, finishing up like eliminations and stuff. And then they say, OK, go back to the hotel, pick out a song because you're going to sing it tomorrow. And then there'll be eliminations for that tomorrow. And and make sure you're in the lobby by 6 a.m. You know, so they they really push your emotions. They make sure you're uh, kind of in that like almost uh, punchy, like tired state. Uh, so they really want to kind of push. Uh, they want you to cry. They want you to get super into it. Uh, and, you know, it's all part of the show, but 
Is it more a game show than a talent contest, really? I always get the oh, feeling yeah. watching these shows that 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 the artist really is not the part of it. It's just the entertainment value of the contest that they almost do nothing for the artist. I mean, I think that it's 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 fake stardom in a way, too. Mm-hmm. Because you want to talk about what media can do in terms of blowing you up. You know, your whole town is celebrating with you, you know, having a party. And then, you know, a year later... Do you remember the TV show MTV Cribs? Do you remember that show? Yep, yep. So, you know, I was I, I pitched once to MTV. I said, you know, you do these MTV crib shows in which you show these fancy houses and cars. Most of it's bullshit anyway. The, car, the house is rented <laughs> and the cars are rented, but it's all yep. bullshit. I said, you know, because you're trying to show the average guy out there, you know, in Iowa. Wow, look at the life these people are leading. You know, isn't yep. this amazing? <laughs> I said, and then, you know, but you don't do a two year follow up called MTV foreclosures, which is <laughs> which is the bill collectors at the door going, hey, you haven't paid your, your car payment. You haven't paid your house. You know, the reality of the record business is that if you had a gold record as a band, that means you owe the record label a half a million dollars because that's what it took to get the record gold. If you only had a second gold record, if all you had was a second one, you now owe them a million. If you only have a third gold record, you now owe them a million and a half. And by the fourth gold record, you file for bankruptcy because you can't afford to be that successful. And people don't understand the reality of the true numbers of what this business is. They see the glitz. They see the the outward packaging of it. They don't understand how smart you have to be to be a survivor in this business. And you have to be smart and you have to have really smart people around you to keep you grounded and to keep you smart, to keep you away from all the nonsense because it's so much bullshit and so much nonsense. You know, when I saw you guys, I kind of got the, the sense of the limited conversations I had, which was that you guys had a sense of all that and you realize that and you are making your baby steps in, in as much as one can make baby steps in this particular environment to, to yeah. attain some, some, some success. Uh, and I'm, I'm watching this for you because first of all, your manager is one of my dearest friends, Danny Stanton. And um, so I'm kind of always there as a backstop in, in a way. Um, should you ever need my Yoda like knowledge about anything, you know, <laughs> and I urge you, to, I urge you to read the book, actually, you know, I'll get you guys yeah. copies. I urge you to read it only because it'll give you perspective because certain rules are universal, which is how you adapt to success is universal. That never changes. That will never, ever, ever change. That's the human condition, how to get there changes, but adapting to it, understanding it, ingesting it, being able to put it into practice. That's a universal and that works no matter where you are and how you do it. So I hope that, you know, you kind of keep that always in perspective and in mind. Yeah. Um, success is this crazy, ethereal, ephemeral attitude. Like I always tell people, the way society sets up a performer for success is that you believe you own it, but you just rent it. You don't own it. The public lets you rent it for a certain period of time. There are so few artists who own it. Paul McCartney owns it. Yeah. Michael Jackson owned it. Madonna yeah. owns. It. Okay, there's some that own it, but for the most part it's rented. And so you have to respect the fact that it's rented and not owned and you have to approach the market, you know, accordingly. So as you move up the line, you always say to yourself, okay, 
you look around and you you kind of you kind of get it. And as a young band, I think I think it's important, especially these days, because viral attention is so bright, isn't it? Yeah. It's so overwhelming. Definitely. And I, and also uh, to to your point before, there there are also just way more uh, competition. Uh, you know, you can make a record from your garage these days uh, with a laptop and a microphone. Uh, and so you can just, you have this whole, uh, the Spotify space of music streaming that people are putting new, new albums, new songs every day. Uh, so the, the spaces gets, gets very oversaturated, uh, and, uh, you almost need to have all of those elements, the, the business smarts, the self-confidence, uh, you know, to not give up. Uh, and all of these aspects uh, to, in order to make it these days, you, otherwise you'll get swallowed up by one thing or another, you know? Well, yeah, the good news is anybody can make a record and the bad news is anybody can make a record. So that's, yeah, okay. yeah. you know, in my book, I talk about the twisted method of reinvention, which is tenacity, wisdom, inspiration, stability, trust, excellence, and discipline. So when people ask me about those, those seven letters of the word twisted, the twisted method, T-W-I-S-T-E-D, and they say to me, if you had to look at these, at these seven letters, which is the most important of the, of, of the seven, of tenacity, wisdom, inspiration, stability, trust, excellence, and discipline, I would say tenacity, number one, because if you don't have tenacity, you got nothing, because yeah. that's, that's what allows you to get through all the crap. Would you pretty much agree with that? Definitely. Definitely. There, there is new bullshit every day that I'm finding, you know, or the bullshit will find me now nowadays. So, yeah, if you are uh, thin skinned at all or uh, are get discouraged easily, then this is definitely not the business for you. Uh, and there aren't many businesses for you, I would think. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, aspects of life that you just need to be able to stick with and adapt and be determined uh and that's the only way you'll get things done not just in life in uh music but in life and that's where the w for wisdom comes in which is being smart enough to make the decisions that you need to make because that's so yeah. important i say the eyes for inspiration because without insp inspiration is the fuel that drives us and we have no money isn't it <laughs> you know yep. it, it, it's really the part that you know like i always say to artists especially to, to artists, because business people don't necessarily desire to become successful in business at the age of 10. They may learn it in business right. school. They may take a course in college and then they decide to get into it. But almost all artists want to do it from the age of three or four or five or six or seven. Like they saw yeah. something on TV. They, you know, if, if it's a, if it's an actress or she'll say, my mom took me to see Annie when I was eight and I went, Oh my God, that's what I want to do. And I'm willing to risk yeah. everything in the world for that. What was that tipping point for you where you just said, you know what? I'm all in on this shit. I'm willing to risk everything that I have and take every sacrifice in the world that, that I can sacrifice in order to follow this dream. At what point did that happen for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was pretty clear uh, right after American Idol, uh, the, uh, one of the judges, Harry Connick Jr., came over and he gave me a big hug and he said, like, this is the business for you. Like, you know, stick with it. Right. And at the time I was finishing up my degree in toy design, designing toys for kids uh, over at FIT in the city. 
And I went back and I finished my degree uh, to, because of my parents, they wanted me to finish my degree. I say to this day, it's my biggest regret because I pretty much had to start over. Uh, all my publicity and everything from American Idol had died down. Like you said, you're, you're just renting it. Uh, and a, a year goes by and all that's gone. Now. Uh, but I decided after working at, I worked at Fisher Price for two years, got, went through the, the, the cubicle grind, nine to five, working at the desk. And I decided that that's not what I want to do. And I, I want to perform. I want to be on stage. I want to make people smile. I want to, you know, entertain. And so I just left the toy design business. I, my degree is, is gathering dust on the shelf. And I said, I'm going to start over. And, uh, you know, and, and this is where we are, we're at now. I'm, I'm still going. So I'm pretty much guys, out of money, but I'm still going. <laughs> guys replaced your drummer. You have a new drummer. Yep, yep. Did that drummer leave because he just had a different goal in mind and uh, yeah. this wasn't his thing? Yeah, it was It was uh, uh, very, you know, uh, amicable, not, no, no hard feelings. He just wanted to uh, focus on school and finish up. He's an engineer. And uh, uh, he went on our couple of tour shows with us and he decided that touring wasn't for him. Uh, and he just wanted to focus on on the school and uh, yeah. Well, but you know, Twisted, know. as you know, went through 14 lineup changes to make it. I kind of look at a band as a, as a um, combination lock. You mm. keep twisting that lock until you hear the click, you know, yeah, to, yeah. the right guy, the right guy, the right guy, the right guy, everybody's pointing in the same direction. And it's always, it's, it's an alchemy thing. It's magical when it happens, yeah. you know, it's magical. I mean, as everybody in the band entered the band, when D entered me and Eddie looked at each other and went, yeah, that's the guy, you know, when Mendoza took over bass, we went, Oh, that's the, that's the guy. When AJ came in as the seventh drummer went up, oh, oh, that's, that's the guy, you know, like we, yeah. you know, we, you kind of find, you, you kind of feel your way through. That's what musicians do in bands. A lot of people don't understand. It's an aha moment. We as band members all tend to feel when we're playing in the right, with the right way you know you know how athletes always say it's what happens between the lines you know on a field it's always what happens on you know what happens on the field when a band plays it's what happens it's that chemistry that happens you know you kind of just yeah. turn around and go wow that's it you know that feeling can't be replicated anywhere else by anything Definitely. else pretty much agree on that yeah it's it's a it's uh, fully a team, a team effort, you know, everybody's working together. And uh, when you're in the audience, you almost take it for granted how all these parts have to work together perfectly. Uh, or you will hear it immediately, even if you're not a musician, you'll you know, when something is off. Uh, and so the band needs to be super tight, needs to, uh, you know, at least tolerate each other. And you hear a bunch of stories of Bands fighting, uh, infighting, but once you're on stage, all that has to go away, and you have to just trust each other and work on this thing together. And just and, that, you know. and that's the T of the the second T in Twisted, which is trust, which is yeah. you have to be able to trust your partners. It's really important because you know your dick is in your hand. 
in public and you got to trust the people next to you. You have to be able to say, yep, this is the best person I have for this gig because we're, we're in it together. We're going to sink or swim together. Then of course the E and the D stands for excellence and for discipline and excellence comes with discipline. Excellence comes with consistently doing what you have to do day after day, night after night. And, and what happens is I, I talk about this thing. I call it the boredom of excellence in my book, which is doing things over and over and over and over and over again. People don't understand. That's how you get great. Great. By doing it over and over and over again, because on any given night, you could walk off stage going, I think I fucked up there. or I think we messed up here. Let's make sure we don't mess up there tomorrow. We may find a new way to fuck up somewhere else. But it's that constant refining that gets you great. I mean, why do people win a gold medal? It's because the guy that wins the gold medal, the girl that wins a gold medal has been getting up at four o'clock in the morning for 10 years to do it. You and me don't yeah. do it. We're sitting on our couch with a remote. They're doing it. That's why they got the gold medal. You know, well, bands that succeed, they succeed in reality long-term because they dedicated their life. An artist dedicates their life to the craft. There's no way around it. There's just no way around it. You dedicate your life to the craft. Now you've got dates coming up. I'm going to push them because I really want to tell people in Canada who are listening to this, you have a shot to listen to see this band live on May 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. So on the 25th, you're playing in, in Gula, in Gula, in Gulf, Ontario. I don't even know how to pronounce the name of that damn yeah, town. Yeah, Guelph, something Guelph, like that. Guelph, Ontario. <laughs> yeah, at the uh, at the Onyx. I, is that right? I mean, I'm looking. Yeah, at I think so. Onyx, Guelph, Ontario. So the Onyx is the name of the room. I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. I think so. You got the Moose and Goose in in Thorold, Ontario. Man, they found towns I didn't even know existed in Canada. Okay. <laughs> on the 26th, on the 27th, you got the, the Sneaky D's in Toronto, uh, Ontario. On the 28th of May, you got the Brass Monkey in Ottawa. On the 29th, you have the Queen's Nightclub in Barrie, Ontario. Have you been to Canada yet, by the way? Is it first time? I have never been. Yeah, first time. Great fans. You know, we um, are, are one of the most fun tours we ever did was the Maiden Twisted Tour in 1984-85, in which we crossed the entire Canadian. We hit every city in Canada wow. uh, from from Halifax, um, Nova Scotia, all the way to Vancouver and everywhere in between. In fact, when we got to Winnipeg, it was 40 below zero. The coldest <laughs> experience in my entire freaking life like i thought it was a mistake when i saw the bank thing you know the temperature in the bank it said minus 40 i said to the bus driver that's not really minus 40 he said it's really minus 40 the only thing i can say about minus 40 degrees is there's no drug dealers standing out on the corner at minus 40 degrees (laughs) and if they are you could hire them for many other things they got tenacity that you wouldn't but uh the people are great Canadian fans are fantastic. Um, yeah. What other American dates? Anything lined up right now um, that I should um, know? So nothing, nothing in America, but we have um, uh, a couple of music festivals in Europe, Switzerland and Sweden this August, uh, the Time to Rock festivals. Uh, and we're also coming to Malta in August as well. So, so all of this can be gotten on on your site. People can add them in the metal yeah, box. You can yeah. find out anything you want in terms of your scheduling, in terms of uh, what releases are. I, I really urge everybody, go to YouTube and check out Backwards. It's uh, And check out the new record. It's Hurry Up and Wait. Is it out? Like, tell me, how does one just, is the album so, out? It's entirely to be, down, to, be, to be downloaded, streamed, 
right now. The, um, this new album is not out. We have we have our first album out. Uh, that's just called Adam and the Metal Hawks. Uh, it's on Spotify, YouTube, uh, anywhere where you could stream music. But the new album uh, doesn't have a release date yet, tentative. Uh, but we are hoping to get it out by the end of the year. Okay, and give and me we're excited a shout to out that. to each band member's name and what they play, just so everybody hears them. So, yes, the band is super awesome. You got Johnny Barry on guitar, the next Eddie Van Halen right there. Uh, you got uh, Ryan DeVersa on the bass, background vocals. Uh, he also has a, a solo song on the album that's super awesome. Can't wait to share that. Uh, and our new drummer, uh, Griffin McCarthy, a uh, super monster drummer. Uh, we're, we're excited to give him a bunch of features and drum solos in the set because he's just incredible on the drums, uh, just tearing the kid apart. He actually broke the snare head on the last song of our last show. That's how hard he rocks. Yeah, I, I saw him walk off stage and get another drum. And, and <laughs> yeah. did, he change, did, did he grab a different snare? Or did he change the head? Is, yeah. what, 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 I think which he, one was he it? grabbed another snare last yeah. minute. Just yeah, so we in. saw them at, at Rockwood in, in New York City the other uh, the other night, and uh, the show was great. You know, Adam, you have you have changed my um, you changed my rap as far as you know what I'm going to say, what it takes for a band to make it. You really have kind of altered it for me, and I appreciate the fact that you have because it's a it's a new world, it's a different world. You guys are confronting it, you're embracing it, you're moving forward with it, and I and I really wish you the best of luck in it because um, thank you so much because because you represent the next wave, and if there is a next wave, and we all hope there there will be, you carry yeah. a certain spirit which I think. Um, is just great music. I'm not going to categorize it one way or the other. It doesn't, I, I don't think great music really deserves a categorization. I think people just have to go, do I like it or not? Is it great right. to listen to or not? Is it fun to listen to? Do I do I enjoy it? Does it make me smile? Um, is the band great performing band? Your performance is great as a front man. You've got all the chops. You've, you've got all the, all the moves right now. And you have a vocal ability, which is really extraordinary. You have a great, great voice. And, and I, I, I sat there and I said, wow, can you do that every night? Because, man, that's going to be like demanding. But if you love, if, if you love the kind of way that uh, Brian Johnson can swing it, you know, because he just delivers it all the time, at least every time I've seen yeah. ACDC and I'm I'm such a fan of theirs. I will stand up for three hours in ACDC show. I mean, they're one of those bands that really make me want to do that. And I'm so glad that they still make me do that because at my advanced age, you know, you need all the help you can get. But um, <laughs> but they do. But you, you guys kind of give, give me that that buzz. And I was with a, I was with two people who didn't know what to expect. They were friends of me and my wife. They didn't know what to, and they went, "Wow, that's a really good band." Like, just you know, it's it, then that's all that matters. It's a really good band. Right. Uh, I'll let, leave you with this. So the two people say to me, "What advice was I given?" I'll give you the two pieces of advice that I was given. That I, when I actually asked somebody for advice, I actually asked someone for advice, and someone gave me some advice. And in my book, I talk about it. Um, Tommy James from the band Tommy James and the Shondells, I think we're alone now and Moni Moni and all that stuff. Twisted Sister played a gig with him in 1976. And I remember thinking to myself as I was, as we finished our set, we were playing in a corner bar and here's a guy that was a superstar in 66, 67. He could sell out, you know, like giant um, amusement parks and a Tommy James, super pop hero. Here he is playing a corner bar in New Jersey. And we're up and coming. So for us to be in a corner bar playing in front of 300 people, that was a rush. You know, to him, I don't even know what he's thinking, you know, but, but, I, but, I'm, but I'm thinking to myself, what is he thinking? 
Like, how is he processing it? You know, like I was 22 or 23. He was probably 30 at the time. You know, how is he processing it? And as we passed each other in the staircase, I said to him, what advice do you have? I remember this, too. People say to me, did you ever ask him what advice? Yeah, I did. I asked Tommy James. And he just looked at me and said, treat, the same, treat people the same way on the way up as you do on the way down because you're going to run into them on the other side. And you want people to support you all the time. And I'm like, whoa, that's okay. So he obviously has been there. And he obviously knows that when you go through those ebbs and flows of a career, you know, like the highs, everybody loves you in the highs. But when you're down, who helps you when you're down? People yeah. who you've been good to will always support you. And the people who you've been a scumbag to will want to, want to bury you. Okay? So yeah. we said, treat Treat people the same way on the way up as you, as you on the way, and you will and you will always have good karma for lack of a better word. So that was great advice. And the other was when I was uh, getting our light uh, show from a company called Altman Stage Lighting, and we didn't have very much money. And the guy we came highly um, recommended to this to this corporation that that sells the biggest lighting gear to the to Madison Square Garden and all the biggest groups in the world. And here we were, this little bar band, you know, from Long Island. And the guy kind of was introduced to me through a friend who worked at, uh, through a friend who knew a guy that worked at Altman Stage Lighting. And the owner, Ronnie Altman, was a blue collar guy. And he walked up to me and he goes, I hear you need a light show. And I hear the kind of light show you need is going to cost X amount of bucks. Do you have the money? And I said, no, I don't. And he says, would you have $25 a week? And I go, yeah. And he goes, okay, I'll give you this gigantic light show for 25 bucks a week. And he said, here's the caveat. You just make sure I get the $25 every week. He said, I don't give a shit how you get it here. I don't care if you personally deliver it, have a family friend deliver it, comes by fucking carrier pigeon. I don't care how it comes. But if you fuck me for the $25 a week, I promise you, I will not miss this light show. And you will have lost the best friend you ever would have had in the fucking music business. I'll never forget it. And every week, 25 bucks, 25 bucks, one way or another, by check, by carrier pigeon, doesn't matter. And over the years, he gave us more and more and more and more stuff. And one day I said to him, why are you so generous with me? He said, I don't believe in contracts. I believe in word. And I believe a man's word is everything. And if I asked you to do this and you did exactly what I asked you to do, which means I could trust you. And he goes, that's how, this, that's how this world works. I know that sounds so old-fashioned in a way, but that's what the second T in Twisted is about. It's about trust. And it's not just trust in the band members. It's understanding that your word is your bond. It's understanding that what you commit to, you do. It's the hardest thing in this world to, to, say, to say what you mean, to mean what you say, and do what you're supposed to do. It sounds so simple, and yet so many people don't do it. Yeah. But if you do it, as an adjunct to your talent and your abilities, that will take you a long way. So I leave you with that. And, um, and I really, really appreciate you being on the show. I wish you the best of luck and I'll uh, be following your career and uh, we'll see how this new record, uh, new record peels out. Everybody, um, this is Adam from Adam and the Metal Hawks. Their project is out now. You can get them online. You know, they are so connected. I don't really have to push it beyond that. You can just find them everywhere that you need to find them, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, anywhere. Please check them out. Support them because they uh, carry the spirit of the rock and roll that we 
that we embodied and carried our spirit through. So thank you, Adam. Thank you very much. Uh, happy to be here and happy to rock. 